red Louis woman with her diamond ring Who's that man around by her apron string? Hello and welcome to Mashley at the Movies. I'm Ashley. And I'm Matt. And February is Black History Month. So this is another special episode in our series where we're honoring films that celebrate the African-American experience. And today's film is St. Louis Blues, and Matt's going to tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, so this is um, about the life of uh, William C. Handy, or otherwise known as W.C. Handy, who is known by some as the father of the blues. Uh, In this movie, he's portrayed by Nat King Cole, one of the greatest singers we've ever had. (laughs) Um, this is an all-star cast. Uh, it's got Nat King Cole. It's got Eartha Kitt, Cab Calloway, uh, Miss Ella Fitzgerald, <laughs> Mahalia Jackson, uh, a young Ruby Dee. Um, a lot of folks who are highly regarded and well-known um, in, 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 in the world of music and singing mm-hmm. are in this movie. And they're acting. Um, and and they're, they're really good at acting, I think. Mm-hmm. But... Um, so I will preface this by saying this is based on the life of W.C. Handy. But then, you know, I was doing some reading afterward and uh, after we watched the movie, and I think it's maybe a little loosely based. Mm-hmm. The time, the time frame is all is all messed up uh, for some things. So you know, um, W.C. Handy was born in 1873 and then died in 1958. He actually consulted a little bit on this movie, but didn't live to see it released later that year. Um, so the movie, though, starts out, I think the title card said it starts out like at the turn of the century. Um, he would have been in his late 20s uh, yeah. at that time. <laughs> uh, and this and the movie starts out, he's a little kid. Yeah. Uh, played also by Billy Preston, who is uh, worked with the Beatles and had his own music, uh, music career. So yeah. um, anyway, it starts out, it has a first scene or so is in, you know, the turn of the century, Memphis. And uh, we see little W.C. Uh, and then it, it flashes forward uh, uh, to when he's just coming back from college, I think. Mm-hmm. And then he's played for the rest of the film by 40-year-old Nat King Cole. Uh, and it's about his love of music. Um, but that puts him in conflict with his father. Um, his father, who's portrayed by Juano um, Hernandez. Really good, I think, in this role. But... Um, his father's a, a minister, a preacher, and he really only likes um, like gospel music uh, and church music, uh, put it that way. He finds almost any other type of, of, of music to be the devil's music, as he says. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the kind of music that W.C. likes. And he composes, you know, he composes the blues. Mm-hmm. Uh, and his father doesn't like that. So there's that conflict. Um, W.C. kind of hooks up with... Um, I, I say that platonically. He hooks up with uh, Eartha Kitt in a professional manner. Uh, her character uh, is uh, Gogo Germain. And uh, they they work at a nightclub together. She sings and he writes the tunes. Uh, so it's it's it kind of takes some twists and turns through his his love of music, his conflict with his father, his wanting to push boundaries and, and you know, make something of himself. Um yeah, that's that's the setup there. That's the movie. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, I love that this movie exists and it seems to be kind of a a rare thing uh, for a movie in 1958 to have an all black cast. Um, 
And I love that it celebrates the music. Um, I think, you know, Nat King Cole, obviously he has a wonderful voice and he has a lot of opportunity to sing in the movie. And I, if you're a fan of Nat King Cole, then I think you'll like this movie. Um, and by the way, he released an album called Songs from St. Louis Blues, which I wasn't aware of, but I've downloaded. And so I haven't listened to it yet, but I look forward to it. Um, so he's he's great. And I, you know, I never really knew him as an actor, but he's good here. Um, Eartha Kitt is just fantastic. She's, I think, yeah, I think it was Orson Welles says that Eartha Kitt was like the most interesting woman in the world or something like that. Hmm. I think she's, she's just very engaging and her voice is so unusual and, 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 and wonderful. And she gets a lot of opportunity to sing. So if you're a fan of this kind of music, this kind of bluesy jazz music, um, there's a lot to enjoy here. Um, some of the performers are kind of, I felt kind of, kind of shoehorned in like, um, I'm not sure what Ella Fitzgerald is doing in the movie. I mean, I'm glad she's here, but she just has like this little cameo really where she, she sings a song. She's portraying herself, even though, yeah, the, the timeline is kind of weird. I don't know how she's portraying herself given where we're set in history, but regardless, um, it's nice to see her. Um, yeah, so that's all good. That's all positive, and I And I, I love all those aspects of it. Some of the the story, I think, is a little weak. You know, when we coming out of this movie, well, going into the movie, I didn't feel like I knew much about W. C. Handy, and coming out of the movie, <laughs> I also didn't feel like I knew much about W. C. Handy, only because it felt like, and it sounds like you're kind of confirming this for me, but it felt like a very Hollywoodized, very light, loosely based. Uh, um, series of events kind of maybe based on things that might have happened to W.C. Handy, but n- not really. Um, it just felt that way, and I, and I think that's, that's probably how it is. Um, so if you're going into this learning, to wanting to learn some factual information, maybe this isn't the movie. Um, but uh, aside from that, I also thought that the central kind of the central conflict between W.C. Handy and his father and, you know, the father thinking everything other than hymns or gospel music is the devil's music. I don't know. It's a little black and white, a little heavy handed. And some of the lines that the father says are just so outrageously, you know, prejudiced against a particular kind of music that it makes me kind of laugh. Um, well, his dad only really has, and I'm exaggerating here, but he really only has a couple of lines. He's like, you know, that's the devil's music. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. that's, that's a lot of what he says. You know? Yes, yes. And he makes a lot of ultimatums about, you know, if, if, this, is the, if this is where you're going to work, then, you know, you can't live with me. Or if this is the kind of music you're going to play, then you can't live here. And yeah. it's just all that kind of, that kind of language. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, too, um, I felt like there's this section where <laughs> it, it doesn't last very long where W.C. Handy loses his, his sight. Hmm. <laughs> and then he quickly regains his sight, uh, not, you know, a few scenes later. Um, I mean, this is something that, you know, could have been a very harrowing 
uh, event in someone's life and something very traumatic. And, you know, he, he acts kind of traumatized by it, but I don't know. I just didn't really feel it. The way that it's portrayed in the movie, it's almost comical how melodramatic it is. Well, I mean, there's the scene where, you know, all of a sudden he announces, <laughs> I'm going blind. <laughs> and in the very next scene, it's just him sitting in a chair with dark sunglasses on. Yes. I mean, I'm, I, that's a little... Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, now, I do know, just from some cursory reading I've done, is I mean, W.C. Handy, did uh, his eyesight did fail him um, gradually. Okay. And apparently he attributed that to, like, I think, a, a fall or a, a blow on the head or something mm-hmm. he had in, in his past. Um, I, I wasn't able to discern if his eyesight actually came back in real life, or whether that was a mm-hmm. plot of a film, you know, a, a yeah. device in the, in the movie. Yeah. I want to be clear, though. I mean, I... Sort of, I feel like being a little negative here, and and I, I want to be clear, at least on my end, I really like this movie. Um, it is by no means uh, a perfect movie, uh, and it um, it's it presents a serviceable plot. You're right; it is very Hollywoodized. You kind of get that feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to get it out of the way, it, it's um, I was looking up the the cinematography is done by uh, Haskell Boggs, and uh, the director is Alan Reisner and I looked them up and they have a lot of um TV work in their in their credits and nothing against TV but you know the movie itself doesn't necessarily feel cinematic now it doesn't look bad I want to make that clear but it's a little flat mm-hmm. you know I mean it's in black and white which is fine but I mean it's not like you know it doesn't have a lot of depth and shadow to it or anything like that. I mean, it's just a very flat, perhaps I would almost, I would almost argue slightly overlit um, presentation, but not bad. There's a lot of, there's a lot of things that were like that that are perfectly fine. And this is one of them, I think um, that aside. Um, and, and uh, you know, the, this to me, so the background for this and one reason why we're talking about it is this is a movie that I saw years ago on Turner classic movies and then I never saw it again. And I think Turner Classic Movies shows it every, you know, so often. But I looked for it on Amazon. Because this is a movie I would want to own. Mm-hmm. I couldn't find it on Amazon. Um, I couldn't find it on any streaming service except Crackle. We actually downloaded Crackle onto our TV <laughs> so we could watch this. I, I, I've, lear- I've known of Crackle for a while. I hate the name. Because I think I always identify that as being like a candy bar or something. Mm -hmm. Is there a candy bar called Crackle? Mm -hmm. Okay. So, and I'm not going to pay for uh, the streaming service because we already pay for other streaming services. So, Mm -hmm. um, we watched this with ads that Mm -hmm. popped up like every 10 minutes for like two and a half minutes each. And uh, so, it was a little distracting. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, I I will say, I think this movie deserves better than Crackle. but it's a movie that the thing that struck me about it was, you know, aside from the fact that I said it looks a little flat or whatever, it's a it's a high quality looking movie, right? That is pretty much almost exclusively an all black cast. There's there's a maybe a handful of white actors in here, but they're all mostly walk on or bit parts, right? And it, I was just shocked uh, that this kind of movie existed. In 1958. And not only that, but 
that it portrays um, these African-American characters in a positive light. There, there are no step and fetch it, um, um, you know, uh, kind of what am I, the word I'm looking for stereotypes here. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's, there's no mammies. There's just, it's just uh, human beings who are African-American who are living their lives. And yes, there is conflict, mm-hmm. but it's within their, their interactions with each other. And there's a lot of love as well. And interestingly enough, there is no racism. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, at least certainly not only overt racism. And uh, I don't know. I thought of, I was just sitting there the first time I ever watched it several years ago, just stunned, but in a good way, because, you know, it's sometimes people say when it comes to like, um, like quote unquote representation, <laughs> you know, whether it be in film or TV or pop culture or whatever, mm-hmm. people say that it's necessary. And then some people roll their eyes at it and whatever, but it was just, I, f- I felt like when I saw this movie that despite its faults, it has a few, um, I'm like, wow, this was a quality movie with an all African-American cast portraying African-American lives in a positive way from the 1950s. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, I was just, you know, I was just uh, impressively shocked. And uh, watching it again all these years later, um, I think it holds up. Um, again, it's, it's a little, um, it's a little obvious sometimes in how it presents things, but, uh, no, I, I, uh, I, I think that this, uh, this movie deserves better than a crackle. <laughs> well, yeah, I agree with you. And, um, you know, the criticisms that I was giving to the film earlier about its plot, I think those, that's the weakness of it, but I think the performances and the, the, the music and, um, just like I said at the very beginning, the fact that it exists, mm-hmm. um, is just so wonderful that, um, you know, I, I forgive it. It's deficiencies in the, in the plot department. Um, yeah, I, I find it to be a, a joy to watch. And I, and I wonder, I, I don't know of another movie made in this era that has an all black leading cast. I feel like I don't either. I'll say that. I feel like there's probably got it. Maybe there's some, but I just don't know. I have to think that the performers in this movie who had a large white audience perhaps um, contributed to the fact that it got made. I don't know if I'm being clear. So, you know, we talked about Ella Fitzgerald being shooed in. She Mm -hmm. had a big white fan base as well as an african-american fan base nat king cole obviously did as well Mm -hmm. Um, so i don't know if because those performers were involved maybe that helped it get made i'm not sure um but i'm certainly glad that it that it did get made yeah same here and pearl bailey is really good in this movie she plays uh, wc's aunt yeah um and there's a, a couple of actors in here that um it was neat to see them in this kind of a movie, and at this age, because um, I'm used, to, I was used to seeing them when they're older, and those are uh, Cab Calloway mm-hmm. and Ruby D. You know, Ruby D. I mean, I knew she had a career for many decades, but I'm used to seeing her when she's an older woman and things like Do the Right Thing, 
or the the stand of miniseries from I think it was the '90s mm-hmm. or something, um, and, and those type of things. And Cab Calloway, um, my big thing of seeing him was when he showed up in a Janet Jackson video in the late '80s. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> and that's you know, so it was nice to see them here, like kind of in their prime, right? Um, just just acting their hearts out. And I will say too, you, you totally. I mean. This movie is kind of corny in certain ways, and you know we talked about the blind, the the, the representation <laughs> of going blind, and, mm-hmm. and then um, the father character. Um, I want to make I want to make clear, very well, very well played, mm-hmm. but also just the the line, the dialogue is corny. That aside, whenever Eartha Kitt or Nat King Cole began to sing in this mm-hmm. movie, I, I was just mesmerized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I don't know of any. Well, you have. Eartha Kitt, the one song by Ella, and then, of course, the um, Nat King Cole songs. Just three, I don't know of any three better voices than those three. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think if you like just great singing, yeah, you'll be mesmerized, like you said, by, by these performances. And we should say that the title, you know, St. Louis Blues, is one of the songs that W.C. composed. Nat King Cole sings it. Uh, I think Eartha Kitt sings it, or mm-hmm. variant of it in, mm-hmm. in this movie. And as I, uh, as an aside, because I'm a, a fan of the St. Louis Blues hockey team, uh, <laughs> I, I read up on uh, afterwards. I thought to myself, I'm like, so, because I've always wondered, like, so how did the St. Louis Blues, what, what's what's that name for? Like, what, what's that from, you know? Mm-hmm. And sure enough, uh, one of the original owners uh, named them after the W.C. Handy song. Nice. Which this movie gets its name from. So, um, yeah, uh, there's a lot I like here. Yeah, me too. And I think it's an important <clears throat> cinematic document, <laughs> uh, no, of of, of African American experience that um, we don't see as much. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, um, I've kind of gotten on my soapbox in the past about you know uh, movies in the LGBT community, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's a lot of them are about um, kind of the struggle. Like, you know, whether it be, you know, dealing with the AIDS pandemic or, you know, epidemic or mm-hmm. the, um, you know, homophobia, transphobia, all those kind of things. And those, I'm not saying that those aren't important, but we've certainly had a whole lot of movies about that. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I like it when, uh, you know, it's a movie like uh, Love, Simon, where <laughs> it's just a kind of a teen rom-com about, you know, um, Mm-hmm. A guy liking another guy in high school, and yeah, there's a little bit of homophobia, but you know, mm-hmm. it, it's nice. Um, and then this one, the, you know, it's certainly we certainly have a lot of movies about racism mm-hmm. and uh, sort of a negative African American experience. Um, it's really nice to see something like this, particularly uh, from the time that it, that it's made in. Yeah. So that said, uh, what do you give this out of ten? I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. I give it an 8.6. So our score is an 8.3. Now, it's on the tomato meter. It only has nine critic reviews. And I was looking at one of them. Uh, one of them, I think, is actually from the time it came out. And oh. It's one of the negative ones. Huh. Um, but its score on the tomato meter is a 56% rotten from critics. Yeah. Uh, audience score is a 79% uh, with uh, a little over 100 reviews. So our score is an 8.3. Uh, St. Louis Blues. Um, if you if you don't mind watching Crackle, <laughs> I would certainly recommend uh, this film. Me too. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Yeah.